this is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton our way. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here as always... Well, not not always. Just once. Not a week. always. Just once a week. Just once a week with uh, Mark. Mark, you yeah, like back again. Uh, everyone's copying off us this week, aren't they? Talking about the Blues. We've been all over Talk Sport and Monday Night Football and, and everywhere. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we uh, get to our news section. Not as many listens as us, though. Well, yeah, Monday Night Football clearly doesn't get as many people listening to it as as, as they do our little podcast. Um, but yeah, it's. The week after the first weekend back, does that make sense? Well, do we have that? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so, how did you feel going to go this on Saturday? Uh, it was quite warm, you know. Nice, it was a nice yeah. day, wasn't it? It was burning, burning in my seat I was. Uh, for all you, our Australian listeners, uh, it was freezing for you, but it was roasting for us. Um, yeah, nice day. Uh, and... I'm going to surprise probably a few people now. We're going to we're going to we've changed our running order around a little bit today. So we're going to talk more about the game towards the back end of the podcast when we preview the next game. Um, but uh, just just a quick one. I actually thought it was a good game of football, as in exciting. I thought it was uh, pretty much, you know, same old Everton. You know, it was. It was just it was like we hadn't been away all the summer. Right, okay. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Um, yeah, so what are we going to do then? We're going to go straight to a bit of news. We'll go straight we? to. Da, 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 da. Well, what's the point in playing the tune now? You've, you've ruined it. News! So, like we did last week, we're going to kick off. With the news, uh, another busy, not so busy week in the world of Everton. Yeah, I mean, very quickly. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned before, we had our first game on Saturday, uh, a nion sellout at Goodison Park. Very few seats knocking around, um, and it was a two-all draw with Watford. I'm sure any, every Evertonian listening already knows that. And as you said, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Um, so, any stories or any news coming from out of the game, Johnny, that we can we can start with? Outside of the game? Coming from the game? Uh, Manalas, injury, I suppose. You know, we saw the tackle a little bit afterwards. Uh, Kev himself put a little grab of the video where it was late challenge from Bayrami. And, um, I, I, didn't, he... I didn't get onto the challenge. No, I, or, I, I don't remember. I remember there being some sort of two-footed attempt challenge in the box on Galloway oh that was a bit naughty yeah and we weren't even sure well from where I sat at first I didn't actually think it was even a free kick uh, we got given a free kick for it and I think the lad got booked didn't he the, the, the Wofford player whoever it was can't remember now um, but yeah we're looking back on the highlights that did look a bad challenge and, and then obviously the Morales one looks looks even worse but I'd, for some reason, my mind's blanking on it during the game, being sat in, in the stand. Yeah, well, there's probably more pressing things to worry about, I, I suppose. Um, I think we both joked, didn't we, now that he'll probably be out for the next three years three until years, the end of yeah. his contract, yeah. yeah. So there you go. 
Yeah, so that, that's the main news coming out of the game. Uh, it was... I mean, we can't really talk about it without going into it. So the other stuff uh, is, is more about... It's more transfer-related. I mean, we've got a few injury folk coming back, which, again, we'll talk about later. But the main members around Goodison have all been around uh, uh, like transfer possibilities in and out. And first off, first off, the main news today. Well, the main news is 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 something that we talked about last week, and or, or something very similar to what we talked about last week. And it's about a young ex Barnsley defender, but it's not John Stones. Mason Holgate. Mason Holgate. So highly sought after. Uh, yeah, makes good toothpaste. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Best I could do. We've already had them for the day. Right, we'll, we'll edit that one it, out. It anyway. is a very posh name now, isn't it? Mason. Mason Holgate. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's not really uh, a footballer's name. Um, uh, he not... sounds possibly like he'd be a character in Game of Thrones, I think. Mason We're Holgate. going to see the Mason. Mason Holgate. No? No. Okay. Doesn't sound like he'll be um, going shopping in Bootwell anytime soon or anything. No, I don't think so, no. <laughs> don't think he'll be down County Road. Um, by the way, have you, have you, this is completely going off on a tangent here. Have you seen all them shops on County Road that have had the massive mural painted on them of like a big woman's head? Multicoloured? No. Bizarre. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, where are we? Yes, uh, Johnny has uh, all the information on Mason Hallgate's career so far. Uh, he's under 198 years old, apparently. Sky Sports did put that out there that he was 198 years old, uh, which didn't really bother me because it still makes him younger than Gareth Barry. <laughs> 22 appearances last season. Yeah, uh, in League One. Um, so, you know, very much seems to be having the career path of, of John Stones, doesn't he? Yeah, we got we're told off for being uh, lazy for reporting uh, the similarities there, seeing as, well, every other site seems to have done it. So... Uh, what we're else did you say about him? We're just as lazy as everyone else. So. Alright, should we just make stuff up? Uh, yeah, Mason Holgate uh, won the World Cup with Spain. Um, I don't know, what, what, what else can we say it's other dad. than that he played for Barnsley and it's other John Stones? His dad, he's called Boris. Is this true? Yeah, of course, that's what we're saying it. Boris Holgate, okay. Boris Holgate, yeah. And I, I, I don't know whether I'm believing you or not. His, his, uh, his, his mother is called Noreen, not Doreen, Noreen. Right? Interesting. Interesting stuff, yeah. You're making it so fine. <laughs> anyway. But, on the front of the house, they haven't got a whole gate, they've only got half one. <laughs> right, so that's it. Anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, so, the he, he could be joined at uh, Goodison for a, a lot longer time than we would previously have envisaged a fellow we talked about last week that was round about the house's way of saying that apparently John Stones is staying. Shall we start this podcast again because it's been chaotic so far? Um, yeah, well I think what Johnny was not very eloquently trying to say there is that um, the tide seems to have turned a little bit on the John Stones deal. Um, he's still with us, which surprises me. Um, I think it probably surprises Johnny as well at the moment. Um, and Basically, what a lot of Evertonians have been screaming out for happened this morning. Uh, it was the weekly press conference at Finch Farm or Goodison or wherever they hold these things. Uh, and Roberto Martinez has um, 
said John Stones is not for sale. Hold on, he said this. I've said it. I've said it before, and I'll say. I'll reiterate. John Stones is not for sale. I don't recall him saying he's not for sale. I recall him saying that we rejected a bid and another bid, and all stuff about Chelsea being, you know, um, tapping him up and all this kind of stuff. And but has he said he's not for sale? I might have just missed it. No, I, I honestly don't think he has, or, or, or certainly not as straightforwardly and as adamantly as he has in the pre- press conference today. Um, so, I don't know, maybe the tide has turned on this, maybe we are now going to keep him, maybe the board have realised that, you know, there will be uproar if he gets sold, I don't know. Um, maybe, you know, a couple of signings were supposed to come in this week, and, and as we said, possibly, you know, Sort of cushion the blow of losing Stonesy, um, and that hasn't happened. So we've decided to go a different way, and now some sort of agreement's been reached. Well, it's it's good. It's good to come out and categorically. It doesn't mean anything. Let's face it. If Chelsea want to buy him, they'll come in and pay whatever the fee has to be. But it's good to hear, for once, you know, like an actual straight-up answer. He's not for sale, rather than beating around the bushes saying this, that, and the other. Maybe Martin has decided not to tell John Stones because Jamie Carragher told him off and told him to not to. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Um, something that we haven't written down because it was sort of just after the podcast was recorded. We kind of half reported it um, last week. It was breaking that uh, James McCarthy signed a new deal. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was. So it was just as the uh, we were finishing the podcast. I think it broke, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so um, great news. And Thanks. the day after. Rala signed his new three-year deal as well, and we kind of possibly mentioned that this could be just a little bit of a sweetener before we got the sour news of John Stones being sold. I got told off for that big time. You did, you did. I'm still expecting some sort of kick in the plums somewhere along the line. Something. I think the kick in the plums is that we haven't actually signed anyone. Do you think that's what it is? Mason, obviously. Do you think that's? I I don't know. I mean, you you know how it works with Evan, unfortunately. And I've got a feeling that transfer deadline day will be busy. With it being an earlier deadline this year, it won't quite go until midnight before you know a, a, a deal gets done and dusted. But I just can't see. I can't see that that being the end of the Stone saga. How long have we got left now until transfer? It's what two and a half weeks, isn't it? It'd be fortnight Monday, is it? Can yeah. you imagine if um, if Chelsea don't push on? And you know, hammer the next two sides that they play. How much pressure they are going to be under to do something, and that might be it. It's possible. It's possible. And I, I mean, I, I love John Stones. I think he's he's uh, our best player, and he's got the brightest future out of anyone at our club. Um, I just, I just don't think that's the end of it. Uh, you know, Roberto's come out and said that today. Maybe this is the time when uh, you said that. You know, we said that Stones' head might have been turned. Maybe now is the time where Stones comes out and says, uh, "I, I want to go." Well, I, I'm hoping, obviously, that it's the other way. You know, I'm hoping that you know things have changed, and you know, I still don't disbelieve what I was told. Um, but maybe the situation changed. Maybe John's had a change of heart. I don't know. That would be what I'm now looking for to happen. Good. I'd like to see John Stones come out in an interview and say, I'm not interested in moving to Chelsea. I want to stay at Everton. Um, 
and hopefully, you know, I didn't expect Kevin Morales to do that, but obviously he signed a new contract now, and, and he's shown that he is happy to stay at Everton, and instantly all that Morales talk goes away, so that's one sort of bit of pressure uh, and thing to worry about off the minds of most Evertonians. The same with James McCarthy. Uh, you know, those stories are put to bed now by the fact that they've both signed long-term deals, so hopefully we'll, we'll see. Until the summer, <laughs> when it'll start up again. Undoubtedly. Uh, no, but good good to have those players uh, tied down. And I think it's just more the statement that the, you know, the, Morales in particular was linked with the move away for, well, for as long as I can remember, really. Uh, and then McCarthy was meant to be voicing his concerns over the summer as well. You know, broken promises, all that kind of stuff. So these players have both been sold four or five times over haven't they to City to Tottenham and to West Ham all these all these clubs and where are they do you find it odd that the two of them happened within 24 hours of each other or no I think it's very do, odd do, what, what do you think's led you know I know we're only guessing here but what do you think's led to all of a sudden those who just signed the deal it could have been is it maybe a bit of cash has been found and have obviously been Given a, a wage increase, do you think, or do you think it's something else? I think they, they may be seeking assurances over over the likes of stones being sold, and maybe they were told, no, he's here, and that's it. Maybe. I don't know. Right. Interesting. Um, someone who won't be at Everton, Shakiri, and his, his hips don't lie. His hips they were, don't lie. Because they were sat with the rest of them uh, watching Stoke. At the weekend, where he has now ended up, yeah, he has. Um, Rumor has it that he is, you know, Stoke. I think have paid seventeen million euros, which equates to twelve million quid. Um, which you know, probably you could say is maybe a fair price. However, he wants a hun- He's on a hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week, uh, which I think was probably what terrified Everton. Uh, into entering into a deal with him I think our top earners is what 70-75 grand a week at the moment so you're bringing a lad in on double anyone else's wages it's not going to be good for squad harmony that is it really um, and I'm not even sure whether we've got a couple of players who are on um, sort of you know contracts I think possibly Jackie Elka maybe on a contract where he matches the top earner with him being club captain um, so you know £150,000 a week we're not in we're not anywhere near the region for those players let me this, this caused an all, almighty stink all week St- oh, is this, this player going to Stoke how, how can't we compete with the likes of Stoke I mean this has been happening time and time again over the years over the last week Shakiri has turned into Pele yeah. on social media you th- 150000 I would not want us to go and Go and sign a player for that. If the, uh, if our top well, end is on seventy five, I'd want. I'd, I'd take Messi on one hundred and fifty. Yeah, well, no, it'd be great. It'd be great if you know we could go and sign you know all these players and you know the, the, the average in of the, of the at the club was that because that'd mean we were like competing with the likes of Barcelona and stuff like. That. But to have one player who's not even, I mean, he's not even a worldie, is he? Well, do you know what? If I was a Stoke fan, I'd be happy at the moment, but. I'd be worried in the long term because they haven't got one player on. Well, they, they've got one player on 150 grand a week, but my understanding is that, you know, Bojan's on 100 grand a week, Affalai's on 100 grand a week, Muniesa's on something crazy like 80 grand a week. 
Um, so, you know, Stoke to me, they're not a team that sells millions of shirts worldwide. They're not a team, you know, that has massive worldwide merchandise sales. So, where are they getting their revenue streams from? You know, they haven't got a hundred thousand seater stadium, have they? Um, they they just basically got their TV money, and, and that's pretty much it. Um, so I don't know whether you know. I think Stoke could very possibly go down the Leeds route in a couple of years if they don't get things bob on right. Because the play, the people are buying in as well. I mean, are they going to have the the big resale values? They're not really buying really promising young players. I know Shakiri's not particularly old, uh, but you know people like. Afli's twenty nine, and you know, and, and uh, Bojan's been around a few years, but uh, probably the, the the biggest transfer fee is probably the one that that Stokes paid for Shakiri. I would have thought. Yeah, I think just the, the the comparison between the two clubs of like where he's gone. I don't think we were anywhere near. Uh, I don't think we were interested in him because of his wages. Yeah, we we were nowhere near the negotiation table because we knew what we, you know, uh, 12 million probably could have scrounged together 12 million for a fee. But if he's on 150 grand a week, he's going to be on some sign-on fee as well. Yeah, do do you know what my opinion on this is? He was linked with Stoke a few weeks ago. I think he basically, he got thrown out there, the used Stoke to sort of start the bid and he never had any intention of him going to, to stoke him and his agents uh, he was hoping a load of other clubs would come in uh, you know because in the past he has been linked with the likes of Liverpool he's been linked to it you know I think he at one point he was even linked to it Arsenal um, and none of these clubs have come in for him they've then looked at the likes of Everton Newcastle Everton, they've both been put off obviously by his outrageous wage demands and then he's had to be humble pie and go back to Stoke uh, as they were willing to pay the wages. I've got a funny feeling he may not be massively overawed at being there uh, and I don't think he's got the greatest attitude from what people have said about him. Um, I know Roberto Mancini didn't fancy Marinta so uh, it could be a case of he could, you know, be trouble there, but let's wait and see. It's the the rumor going around was that we did the what the typical Everton thing was like we kind of undercut ourselves uh, in our offer. Like we offered him a loan deal, and when he was keen to, for a permanent move, I'm not seeing any evidence. I know this is just this is just a rumor, but it's not unlike Everton to do stuff like this. Remember, I mean, we, we mentioned this. This is no, just I don't a, it's a classic classic Everton story, though, isn't it? It's like uh, Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle have uh, had bid for 15 million. Manchester United had a bid of 15 million accepted. Everton, we're going to match. We're going to show that we can compete with the big boys. We're going to bid 13 million for that. And it, it it is typical, you know, to try and show that we're in for these players. But we're not really, are we? Because you know he's not going to sign for us on that. I mean, I've seen no evidence that we were looking to offer a loan deal. Uh, a loan deal probably would have made sense for any club for him, really, because it was clear that Inter wanted shut. Um, and, you know, you can get have a good chance to, to really look at him and see how he fits in the league. But, um, you know, he might prove me wrong. He might turn out to be an absolute worldie and, he, and Stoke might make a massive profit on him next summer when he signs for... Chelsea for 30 million. Uh, you know, let's wait and see. 
Where another fellow whose future doesn't lie at Everton, who again was breaking last week that he'd uh, come in on a little trial, uh, Thomas Andraj. Yeah, uh, we sort of half broke the story, but apparently he was only there on trial last week, uh, and the trial is now over, and we're not taking up the option to take him. So, um, short but sweet, Everton career there. Where one player who again might be on his way to Goodison again. Alan Lennon? Alan Lennon, his Twitter picture is still an Everton shirt. He's still angling, isn't he? He's, uh, he needs to take some tips off uh, Hibbert. He's doing more angling than Hibbert. Than Tony Hibbert was going to say then. You beat me to my punchline. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people saying, if we, do you think we should just hold out till transfer deadline for this one and we'll pick him up for, you know, Two three million because Tottenham are that desperate to get rid. Um, well, he hasn't got a squad number. He's, he's, well, he hasn't got a squad number. He's trained up with the reserves. I think Tottenham have got two or three players in the same boat. They've got Lennon, they've got Adebayor, and I think they've even got Soldado. The rumour is Soldado is going to go to a Spanish club today. Today. Yeah. Because uh, I think Lamella or someone's already said goodbye to him on Twitter. Um, so, if they get some funds in from the Soldado deal, maybe, you know, they can afford to keep. Lennon on and if they don't get the price test for him but uh, I think it's a waiting game on that one um, but we'll, we'll wait and see he's in talks with Villa apparently Villa were interested uh, and then and then I think a story was in one of the papers I'm not sure which one saying that Lennon wasn't interested in going to Villa because he wants his dream move to Everton uh, and then Villa were quickly very quickly linked to it Adama Traore uh, from, who plays in the same position from from Barcelona, so maybe Villa uh, have had the message that it's, it's you know you want to go to Everton or bust. The, the problem with that us playing this uh, waiting game until deadline day is if somebody like Villa does think, oh we'll, the longer it goes on, the longer we kind of drag it out for. If it, if I mean if that's what we're looking to do, you know the, the closer it gets to deadline day, he's going to be thinking right, it might not be happening here, and then he might end up at somebody. Else, might he? I can't really send out a great message to Alan Lennon, can I? It's like, well, we want you, but um, yeah, we'll just wait and see. Well, it's, I not don't very, know. it's not encouraging, is it? It's not exactly making him feel. From his point of view, though, I mean, I think he must understand that Tottenham are trying to get like top whack on him. Like they quoted Everton nine million, and you know he wants to move. I don't think it's nine million at the minute. I think it's probably more like five million, and we're still not paying that. Yeah, well, why, if we can get him for two or three, because. Otherwise, Tottenham are going to be stuck with him, with no squad number, and he'll he'll have had to be registered at the start of the season, wouldn't he? So he's just going to be rotten, you know. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I don't know whether he's uh... we're already a million quid in the hole after buying Holgate, aren't we? Yeah, well, that's going to be. I think that's going to be pay a pay a quid a week. One of those kind of deals or something, isn't it? I think I think the initial fee for Holgate somewhere between five hundred thousand and a million, and then with add-ons, it could potentially go up to two million. Yeah, that's what I've read. Uh, any? There's no. I mean, on the the, the other transfer front, your prediction for our top goal scorer this year? Yeah, might have been a bit premature that. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it looked. Very much for all intents and purposes last week, like possibly we were the front runners for Charlie Austin. Um, it, it seems to have gotten a bit quiet on that front now. Tottenham seem to be very interested in him as well. So 
again, just wait and see. No news on that front, unfortunately. Just before we kind of finish on uh, the transfers, there's been the debate again this week about when the transfer window should end. And Roberto's been out all week saying it's not fair. Uh, and something on, on the Collymore uh, phone in on TalkSport on Monday night uh, about saying it gives the bigger clubs uh, a chance to use the, this, this beginning of August as their pre-season. And if it's not going well, then you can just go and splash the cash. So it puts them in a, in a, a, a more advantageous position uh, than clubs like Everton. So they can just go and poach, 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 poach. Uh, and you know what can we do then? Well, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned on on the introduction of the podcast today, um, Everton have been all over all different forms of the media. It all started, uh, you know, Monday night was it was a, a big night really for for Everton uh, on different forms of media. With uh, Roberto was the guest presenter on Monday Night Football, filling in for Gary Neville. Um, same night, Talk Sport did a two-hour special hosted by Stan Collimore on, on the state of Everton and the club, um, and you know, and then there's been various other ex-blues popping up in different places, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but I completely lost my train of thought. Now, what, what was the question again? When uh, the, the transfer window? When should it? Yeah, it's, and that, that was one of the, the the points that Roberto particularly. Uh, brought up whilst he was basically being made to look rather silly by Jamie Carragher I thought Uh, you know at the end of the day it's all I I do agree with him in a way I agree with him in the fact that I think once the season starts you should know who your squad is so I would have the transfer window as maybe the 1st of August rather than the 1st of September Uh, however you can't really bemoan it now because it's not like it's one rule for Everton and it's one different rule for everybody else. Everybody's got to deal with that transfer window. Everybody could lose players. Everybody could sign players. We can't mo- complain that some of our players may go when we're out there actively trying to recruit players. No, that's what I was just going to say. It, it does give the bigger clubs an advantage because... Well, what why the, does it? Because they're buying... Uh, top-notch prices, players at top-notch prices who've got, who've proven that they can do it in the Premier League, whereas a club like Everton would have to go and possibly buy someone from a lower league or bring someone in on the cheap from elsewhere. Yeah, but that's not the, the date of the transfer window giving that advantage. That's just the advantage of being a bigger club, having more money and having but more it's, appeal. It's, a, it's immediacy, isn't it? It's like Chelsea can go and buy John Stones tomorrow if they bid £40 million. But that same immediacy is going to be there a week before the end of the transfer window in August, if not September, isn't it? But it it gives it gives the likes of Chelsea, Man City, the Shite, United. It gives them that extra few weeks to kind of bed in what they've got so far, see if it, see if it works, and then look. Oh right, he started the season in form. I'm, I'm going to have him. And what can Everton do? Maybe look at the the, the, the clubs, not even at the top of the you know the championship. Right, I see, I see what you mean now. So what you're thinking is, you know, by the time the window comes up, Everton may have played three or four games. Say John Stones could have had a worldie in each one, and then that really encourages somebody to come in and go for in the season. Yeah, yeah. So so say you know Terry gets injured, Kale gets injured, they bring Stones in, and they've still got the, the, those first few weeks to see whether their side kind of gel together whereas that's what pre-season used to be for to try and get your side gel together but now these big clubs can you know 
they can say these big clubs, these big air clubs, you know, they can do that. They can wait, see if August goes all right, and if it does, then great. If it doesn't, then you can just blow fifty million on one player. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand, but what I was going to say about the, the, the hierarchical so, uh, side of things. Sorry to interrupt, but are you thinking like clubs like Arsenal may look to buy players now that they're involved in a relegation dogfight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arsenal might be getting players uh, poached off them because um, right, yeah, just because they're worried about going down. Yeah, uh, I just wonder. It's not fair from our point of view because we'll be losing potentially our top players, but then. What you were saying, it, it, it's the same. Everyone's in the same boat because then we'll be looking at the championship clubs, and uh, you know, looking to poach their top players, and then you know, it's going to have a knock-on effect to right the way down the league because they're going to have to replace. So, I, do- I think I think that is the main problem at leaving transfers towards, you know, towards the, the deadline day. Most transfer scenarios have like a domino effect, don't they? Yeah, he buys him. So he buys him, so he buys him. For instance, you know, United buy Harry Kane, so Tottenham buy Berahino, so West Brom buy, I don't know, somebody from the Championship, Jordan Road, so Blackburn go and buy, so, and it goes on and on and on and goes down down the uh, down the chain like that. So, And if you're doing it right before the transfer deadline day, well, you'd only get Kane, Berahino, and then transfer window shut. Yeah. And there's a club left without a player there. So, now I understand what you're saying. You know, why does the first of August not make sense with the season starting a week after? It, it does. It, it makes too much sense. But then the bigger clubs have, have a lot more sway in having these law these laws governed, don't they? So you know, if, if they if they want, you know, if 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 they're threatened with this transfer window and they say, "Oh, we'll pull out of the Premier League and we'll go and play in some Super League somewhere," I'm not saying that's feasible. But you know, if they start saying stuff like that kind of thing, or we're not going to send our top stars on your money-making enterprise tournaments uh, pre-season, you know, when or we're we're just going to play behind closed doors friendlies, so that you know, or we'll arrange our own friendlies rather than at the Premier League Super Cup, which brings extra money into the league, or for the FA. I don't know. They can start like holding the the FA over a barrel a little bit, can't they? Even though, yeah. like, it's not even FEFA. I think it's FIFA, well, isn't it? So, would you, if if you did go to that sort of system, then would you still have a winter transfer window? I, I think you should. Yeah, I think I think so. I think. But would that not would that not just have the same effect? Maybe. Would you go for like a short winter break I, in the season and have the window open during that break? Yeah, so not a month long one because a month. I don't know, you should know what you need to know by those first four months of the season. Shouldn't you? You should. You should know. I need to replace here. Need to replace here, uh, and then maybe before the FA Cup starts, even like a two-week break. Then because then you're not getting players cup tied. That's it. It should be like a clean. Everyone, everyone registered for the FA Cup. Of course, I'm I'm talking, you know, top uh, Premier League teams again now. You know, there's going to be lower league clubs doing similar stuff to this, uh, and they're going to be talking about stuff and going, yeah, but that's not fair because, you know. Our players have to start in round. Don't know where, where does the FA Cup even start? Preliminary. I mean, the other option would be. Do, do you not think? What about not having any transfer windows? Why aren't players just free to come and go whenever they want? Well, that's. I mean, that's that's a whole different kind of Bosman-esque kind of. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but it, that it, would take that. Would that not 
take that and make... For instance, you, you look at that now. You look at the way, for instance, Chelsea stockpile players. So, they want John Stones. He's probably not going to be a starter for them. So, they're stockpiling him. So, if the transfer window was open constantly, would they not just be thinking, well, we'll leave him at Everton. And then, you know, if we get a, an injury to Terry or we get an injury to Kale, then we'll, we'll, we'll try and buy him then. And then we would be able, to, we would know that they needed a player, and we'd be able to dictate the price a little bit more. Yeah, possibly. It's, uh, all, it's all, it's all swings and roundabouts, isn't it? It's all got its, got its merits and got its, uh, got its detractors, I suppose. Um, just going back as we started this conversation, uh, I just want to talk about Martinez on Monday Night Football. Now I know you didn't see it, did you? You didn't see the build-up. Um, I have to say it was worrying. There was, there, was, there was a couple of points on this. One, the fact that, you know, we're de- supposed to be desperately looking for players at the moment. Um, and there's Roberto in the Monday Night Football Studios just after our first game where, let's face it, it wasn't the ideal result. It wasn't the result that any Blues wanted. Um, now, I know you can say it's only a couple of hours, but it's not a couple of hours, is it? Because... We obviously play in Liverpool, and that show is filmed in London. Um, it also, he must need some preparation and you know some sort of rehearsal. And he was trying to use the big iPad thing that they have, and he's obviously had some training because he knew what buttons to press and and do the rest. So he's probably been there for the majority of the day. I would have thought. Um, is that his time best spent? Should he not be back at Everton having a look at the the previous game and you know? Working on a few things on the training pitch, i.e., how to defend, um, and then it went from bad to worse. There, as as the program started, immediately, I was dumbstruck by a couple of the things he said. I think he said in the first couple of minutes, he basically said that the result against Watford turned out to be a very positive draw. Well, I don't know, you know. Is a point at home against one of the promoted sides a positive draw? Okay, maybe he was referring to the fact that we came back um, from from being down twice, twice. But is it positive that we were ever even in that position? I'm not so sure. Uh, and then the one that really struck me was the you know Carragher was was going through their second goal, uh, sorry their first goal, and. He was showing. He was asking about Morales and saying how Morales didn't track back with his runner that caused the, the goal to happen. And Roberto Martinez came out with one of the most outrageous things I think I've ever heard somebody say, where he said, "If anything, Kevin Morales was working too hard." Bizarre, but bizarre. I don't get it. But there you go. Um, and the whole time, the whole time he was on there. It was like Carragher was teaching them football tactics. It, it was weird. It, it was really strange and he didn't come off, in my opinion, he didn't come off in the best of lights. Well, normally he does, doesn't he? Normally he's got he's, he's good at that, in, in that role. He's, got, he's, he's articulate and... He, he was doing that thing politicians do. They were asking him direct questions. Well, that, that's going to... And he was sort of avoiding answering them. I mean, at one point they were asking him about, about John Stone's and he, he avoided the question and then Carragher intervened and said, in my opinion, John Stone shouldn't go anywhere. He's best saved being 11. I was a central defender. I needed to play. And I stayed with the club that brought me through. Um, you know, and when you've got 
people like Jamie Carragher sort of sticking their neck out for you rather than your own manager. There's certainly something not right with that. Um, it was quite interesting, actually. I mean, Jamie Carragher also had a lot of praise for Ross Barkley and told the Everton fans that they should shut up uh, and basically wow. stop getting on Barkley's back and give him a chance and let him play his football. Uh, we wish he would. Yeah, we do, yeah. We wish he would play his football instead of just pissing about. Anyway, you know, get me started on again. A goal does not make things okay, Ross, if you're listening. Anyway, what I will say is Gary Neville's job certainly isn't in danger from Roberto Martinez. Um, just going back to what Roberto was saying, and it sounds like, you know, I mean, the next few few bits we've got to talk about are the communication from the club or lack of. But first of all, the communication from the club. So Jags has come out and he praised Kone. He said we'll start seeing the real Kone now. Does uh, one goal giving him a title to? Uh, make him entitled to say that to the fans well we've gave Kone a lot of stick haven't we and I suppose we should praise him when he, he needs to be praised I mean even I screamed Kone see what I did there yeah he's got that one right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about that all day Um yeah there's, there's just so many strange messages coming out in the press I mean you know Gareth Barry the other week did an interview where he said we really need to get off to a fast start. It's imperative we get off to a fast start. He's done an interview this week where he said I feel like we really need to be patient. <laughs> well, that's the complete polar opposite to each other, Gareth Barry. Um, so you need to decide which side of the fence you're on, really. Um, you can't, you know, have a point of view and then because we've done the first game do a complete U-turn and change, you know... It's 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 odd. It's odd, and even you know Martinez. Some of the things he's coming out and saying about we really want to buy three players, and then the next day it's well, we're looking for players, but they're not really out there. Well, just just make your mind up and stick to a story. Uh, going back to what Jags are saying well, to, to counteract something Roberto said about uh, John Stones kind of having his head turned a little bit by the Chelsea interest, and Jags said. Uh, it hasn't affected him at all. He's just getting on with his job, and you know he, he's happy to be. And so, uh, aren't they? Uh, aren't those two opinions at odds with each other? Just, if there's any two people at the club that should be singing from the same hymn sheet, it should be the manager and the captain. Yeah. Um, it, it is very confusing times at the moment, and one of our one of our favourites, greatest ever goalkeeper. Uh, Big Nev. Oh, I thought you were talking about Richie Wright. <laughs> uh, tweeted this week saying that somebody at the club needs to tell us what's going on. I think the problem Everton have got, I put this out on Twitter as well, in the age of information and communication, uh, Everton have the worst, the worst at it. Whether it's injuries, transfers, stuff going on in the boardroom, we're, just, we're not good at it. That Leighton Baines story out last week, out for twelve weeks, out for six weeks, nothing from the club, and then we all knew it. We all knew it before the game. We all knew it, but then it still came as a little bit of a shock because the club hadn't said anything that he wasn't in the starting eleven. Should we know things like that? Yeah, but can you? Under, I can understand it from the point of view of, you know, maybe they were thinking they didn't want to give the other team an advantage. You know, it could help them tactically if they suddenly said. 
If we said the day before Bainsey's out and Galloway's starting, would that have played into West Ham's tactics? Would they have had more time to prepare? Not West Ham, sorry, Watford's tactics. Would they have had more time to prepare? Maybe identify Galloway as someone he could he could have a go at, or well, I suppose I suppose it is. So that's what I'm asking. But what, even now, what should be shared? I don't think it's fully been explained the extent of his injury. No, they don't know. I'm, I'm here, well, but again. They must do. They've got the top doctors in the world. They, the club, know what the injury is. So, I I heard three days ago that he was going down to London to see a specialist for an operation. So the club, you don't go for an operation before somebody knows what's wrong with you. You don't go and have you know some part of you taken off. What's that called? I've completely forgot how to speak English. Oh, I've got no idea what you're on about. <laughs> when you have something removed, amputated. Oh yeah. You don't go and have a part of your body amputated if the before they've diagnosed that that body part but, needs amputating. Duty. That's what I'm saying. So if he's going for an operation, the club know what the injury is. Every injury has a time scale. But apparently, to ab- it. apparently, according to the press conference today, he's still being assessed. So I- whether he's going to be fit for Saturday? No chance. What, uh, what did he think was stupid? I think they do. <laughs> I think they do. But this is this is what I'm asking. What what should be shared? Should it be should be should it be the manager as the face of the football club? He comes out and tells us tells us the information. Says there's this much money in the transfer pot, which he's not going to do anyway. Because let's face it, as soon as we say there's 20 million, you know, a five million player goes up to 10 million, 10 million goes up to 20, etc. Uh, so he's not going to come out and say that kind of stuff. But. What should be what should be getting shared? Well, well, let's look at this week, right? Let's look at it. Say this. Take the Shakiri deal. Yeah, Shakiri's there. He's twelve million. All everybody, the fans, all from out of nowhere decide we are going to sign Shakiri. Yeah, and then we don't hear anything, and then he goes to Stoke, and it is fume central. Oh yeah, big time. Everybody kicks off fume. Now, if at some point the club had come out and said. Um, Shakiri wants him, you know, he's asking for outrageous wages. It's a big transfer fee. We haven't got the money at the moment. Uh, you know, the deal's not for us. Okay, we would have had a fume for the fact saying, well, why haven't we got the money to go and do this? However, it wouldn't have been anywhere near the outrage that it caused because nothing was said. Because people are making their own assumptions because the club aren't telling us anything. Yeah. I, I, would you have a problem if the, if somebody from the club came out and said... Right, the situation is this. Uh, for whatever reason, for reason A, B, C, we haven't got any money to spend at the moment. Uh, if we went out and sold John Stones for thirty million, we'd have twenty million to spend. We'd have to reinvest ten million somewhere. Uh, we could buy two or three players with that twenty million, um, but we'd have to sell John Stones. Would you have a problem with that? Yeah. But I think that's what the, that, that's the I think they're picking the lesser of two evils at the moment. I think they're not telling us stuff because the reality of it is going to be harder to swallow than um, than them coming out and just saying nothing. See, I, I if if a decision is made for the good of the club, as long as they're being honest about it, I've got no problem with that. I don't know. They've done that before. Apparently, they've done they've tried to make decisions based on the good of the club. But who decides what's for the best of the club? The chairman decides and the board decide, but Evertonians don't decide, but we think we should. So, and that's, 
you know, I, I understand uh, Neville Southall is right. Somebody comes needs to come out and tell us what's going on. Uh, what's going on in the boardroom? Is, are people interested in buying? Uh, are the funds available? Uh, what's the stance on the, the stadium development? All that kind of stuff. But instead, it's just left to fans to speculate. In the age of information communication, there's also speculation. Just come up with that. It's good, isn't it? It is. It was good, yeah. I liked it. It was very, uh, very eloquent and even almost rhyming. It was, it was quite, quite quite profound in a sense. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, anyway. But there does seem to be a certain level of censorship in the club. And without naming names, there was a certain ex-player um, who we had some contact with this weekend who has been outspoken in the past. Um, and he basically said he wasn't able to sort of say anything that wasn't towing the party line. I don't know. Is that censorship or is that just good sense? Well, it is good sense in a way, as we said before, that everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet, but you can't. it's upsetting to fans. But you The can't. fans are not happy with that. There's a lot of fans out there who think, you know, we're funding this football club, we're paying the wages, we're doing this, we're doing that, we have a right to know. Yeah. There is a lot of fans out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, 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 know, you, you not, don't have a right to know everything. You have a right to know some things. But do you? I mean, it, it, it's the, the likes about the, the players and stuff like that. It's not. We're very privileged at times to be in contact with players and have these players to be so open with their lives. They are. They get a fee for for turning up to these appearances and stuff like that. But not all players do it. Some of them just happen to like still being a part of the club, still taking pictures with fans, signing autographs, and having their opinion. But it's still privileged that 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 they, that they, they want to be part of that. How many clubs are there, and how many ex-players are there who want nothing to do with football? Even not just the club, they just want to go home, live off the money, and you know, get fat. I mean, but, but just let me just finish that point though. Sorry, go on. The, just because they've been open with stuff before doesn't give us a right to all of their inside information on the club. Yeah, especially if they're employed by the club. Especially if they're now employed by the club, yeah. Because if, you, if you're an employee of the club and you get asked a direct question such as, uh, do you think Roberto Martinez should get sacked? There's no way they can answer that. Because the heart might be saying, I'm not too overly impressed with him. Yeah. However, the head is like, I can't say this. Because if it gets back to... You look at Kevin, what's happened to Kevin Sheedy via Twitter. You know, he's landed in hot water, hasn't he? And, you know, he's probably... His career... On the coaching staff at Everton's probably taken a knock because of that. Um, so, and I don't understand why. And I think you made this point before when we were talking before we started recording. Why do people need that justification from people? If you don't like, if your own opinion is you don't like Roberto or you don't like the board or you don't like the pies at half time, that's your opinion. Why do you need somebody who's an ex player? to confirm to you that they're the same mind it's or that that's, that's right. It? It's like, people, I've said this before to you as well, and uh, going back to Neville Southall, who's very outspoken on Twitter, and people go, ah, that's him, Howard Neville. Shit, in he? And ne- Southall sometimes get back to him and go, yeah, oh, yeah, he's a joke, or it's a joke. Um, but, you know, we know that Southall... As you said, that about him, Howard. He's, he's something along the lines of, but you know, Southall's like half, he's very dry, we know that he, he rates Tim Howard better than a lot of other goalkeepers we've had since. 
uh, Southall. But you look, you're talking about our greatest goalkeeper. Anyone to Neville Southall, he's going to be critical of. Um, but just uh, would you would you tweet someone and say, "Ah, oh, that player's garbage." I, I still I, can't use Twitter, so I wouldn't tweet anyone. Well, I, I I need you to make me feel better about myself by agreeing with me on this. So I can show all mates. Ah, Neville Southall agrees with me on this. It's like, I mean, fair enough. He, he's put, given himself. He's he's on that platform where people can come to him and, and ask him that stuff, and he does uh, retweet or reply and go, yeah, yes, mate, or whatever. Uh, but it, I think half of it is his own sense of humour. I, I think he does rate Tim Howard, um, but if he'd have been still in a club capacity and he come out and said Tim Howard couldn't catch a cold or something like that he wouldn't be at the club very long would he or he'd definitely get some kind of Twitter embargo and the way it's never self-fall was he, if, if he got banned doing stuff he'd walk out but you know he, he, he's still got that platform because he's not associated with club anymore Tim Howard will be going round tattooing I hate Neville Southall and everyone now won't he <laughs> did you see that? that that's his hobby tattooing yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah amazing okay would you get a would you get a tattoo from Tim Howard well, considering my uh, my experience of tattoos, would you trust them with lettering, or do you think it might have like swear words in it? Tattoo Tourette? Do you think that's a real thing? Uh, just Neil get... Satters, fuck off, Missy off to you... <laughs> Sorry if we've got any Tourette sufferers listening. Um, I do apologise, but your condition is funny. Um, go on. Just. Going on to who, who should be responsible for come and being a spokesperson for the club. Should it be the chairman? Should we have a spokesperson, press officer, Alan Myers, someone like Alan Myers I'd, back at the club? I'd like to see the job given to Gaza. Okay. Uh, yeah. If not Gaza, uh, maybe Billy. Oh, yeah. Billy couldn't speak English, so that that probably go down quite well. Um, so, no, Gaza. Well, well, true, yeah. But at least you get jam butties at the press conferences. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I mean, even when Alan Myers was, was head of communications or whatever he was, I don't think he was... He wasn't responsible for putting out... No, he was just... Injuries and stuff like that, no. was he? And, and different... But he, he had a good, feel-good kind of relationship with people, except that people just yeah saw him as like yeah. the face of the club and started given abuse on Twitter as well which I mean would you would happen. you like Bill Kenwright to become like a Dave Whelan figure no 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 not you wouldn't like to break Bill Kenwright's leg in a game in, of in, a, cup, in a cup fan <laughs> no okay um, but yeah, I mean let's face it I you know I don't know whether I'm being naive here and whether other clubs do that better than us or whether we are just you know I, it's I, just I, frustrating because we never get to find anything else yeah but then at least we get to make it up so two more little bits one is a feel good kind of thing uh, I suppose this survey you were telling me about before yeah there's been a survey done in the Daily Mirror uh, which basically went round and asked all the football fans in the country uh, about not their own team but about teams they either loved or hated and then they've got all the results together worked it out and they worked out who were the most hated clubs and who were the most liked clubs uh, and the good news is, as we probably already all knew, Everton are one of the most liked clubs in the country. We think we would be right up at the top with Bournemouth, who were probably just riding that wave of being the underdogs and 
coming up and being you know a, a, a good news story last year. Uh, Southampton, you know, we're a very inoffensive club, really, are uh, And Swansea and ourselves were, were the other two teams right up there at the top. Strangely, right? Here's a question for you, seeing as you don't know the result of this. The club who hated Everton the most, where who do you think? Pretty obvious. Liverpool. Correct. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, but apparently, remember, they don't hate us because we're not into them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and they're on a different planet too, so remember that. Which club in the Premier League hated Everton the second most after Liverpool? Newcastle. Incorrect. I've got no idea. Bournemouth. I've got no idea why. Only got half the Everton squad player. I've got no idea why. Uh, maybe they really hate Sir Van Distan. Um, I can't think of any reason Bournemouth would dislike Dan us. Dan Gosling has been there. Yeah, but that was Newcastle's fault. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. No idea. But yeah, apparently we're the second most hated club to Bournemouth. So when they come up here, uh, I was going to say that's better than them, but no, that, that's probably inciting a riot. Uh, yeah, let's, don't be doing uh, that. let's shout nasty things at them. Also, people who shout nasty things. Uh, I haven't finished yet. Oh, go on then. Liverpool were the second most hated club in the country. After oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was fiddled because they're easily the most hated. I'd, yeah, I'd go with that. Everton fans hate Liverpool the most, apparently, followed by Chelsea fans that hate really? Liverpool the most. Yeah. Right, okay, good. Uh, right, going back to the, the people who shout nasty things. Apparently there have been a number of uh, supporters group meetings over the past week or so with the little uh, cut-out cut out pieces from the Echo. Uh, yeah, and I think um, Donnell Mill are doing a great trading sheet at the moment so people can make flags on the sheet saying uh, in Kenwright we rust was one of them, which is, mm-hmm. see, what, see what they've done there. Um, L Stone out, or, you know, all really well thought out things to write like that. Um I tell you what did make me chuckle last week. There was <laughs> there was one that said something got tweeted out saying uh, it was the there's a, there's a, a group going around called something like Everton Board Out. I think that's the group's name. And they were having the first meeting last week in the taxi club. And they sent out a tweet. Now the page has got 144 likes, big time. Uh, and they basically said we're at the taxi club. We've got a great turnout. And I was thinking. Phew, yeah, they must have got a couple of thousand people down there to march on Goodison. The great turnout was a hundred people. Now they showed they showed a picture of the taxi club and the the, the hundred people. Uh, and I used to, used to go to the taxi club a little bit before the days of players, and used to meet Paul in the taxi club. Out of these hundred people, at least fifty of them were like old pensioners who were just regulars who sitting there for the bingo every week. So they didn't actually even have a hundred people attending. I don't think. Um, before you all shout at me and get on your high horse, I am saying this tongue-in-cheek. Um, it does seem to be gathering a little bit of momentum. There's a lot more of this sort of stuff going on. And, you know, maybe rightly so. Talk about social media highlights uh, the negativity a lot more than it does positivity. And we know this anyway because for every, for every, uh, you know, every bad thing that happens just gets overblown. And people's, other people's negativity, other people's uh, misfortune is highlighted a million more times than, you know, one good thing. Uh, and I don't know, if, if somebody were to 
started a group saying came right in would you have any support I think you get chosen to that a lot um, well, and it's, it's a bit of a strange view because he's already in. Do you not mean Ken Wright to stay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, okay. No, I'm not um, saying that I would ever start anything like that. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, would that type of thing get garner the same type of support, more support from the the more casual fans who aren't so as vociferous? Ve- yeah, vehement. I was going to say vehement. Vehement. That's the one. Yeah. I can see it in my head, visualising. There's a lot of v- visualising, vociferous and vehement. There's a lot of V words all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, you know, would it, would, it, would it kind of that same kind of support? Would people just casually just like that and think, I, I, I believe in that, but I'm not going to go getting involved as in my... Because it seems like, it, it seems hateful. I don't know, isn't it? I really don't know. I, I, it I, seems when you go on these pages, it seems to be the same faces and the same names spouting out the same argument constantly. I think it's a very small proportion of the Everton fan base that's that's really, you know, het up about it. Het up. I think yeah. everybody's got concerns. Yeah. We've all got concerns. I think if, the, if you know, the, the, I think they're going about things maybe maybe a little bit, not, not quiet um, protests. Is, I mean, that would be the wrong thing to do if something they believed in. But putting like painted bed sheets on the side of the club and stuff like that—that's not the right way to go as well. If they need to, if they want to make some kind of stance, you need to stop with the abuse. Abuse is just going to get people. Um, it's going to alienate alienate people. You need to get some kind of serious uh, platform where you can talk about. So, if starting off with these groups, you can't just get someone to get up on stage and start saying all the stuff that you said last week like Bill Kenshite, Club the Border Liars all this kind of stuff you need to get some some uh, information sheets uh, with which back up your claims you can't just name call name calling just it, people automatically discount it if you start name calling yeah I mean the, what I look at is I look at Newcastle now Newcastle have been trying to get rid of Ashley for, for years it's probably been going on three or four seasons, if not longer now. And they've they've tried all this, and it's got them absolutely nowhere. How many times have we seen all these leaflet drops they've done at the ground? They've had all these flags up. They've got the song about being a fat cockney bar steward. And it's got them nowhere. It's got them... You know, probably Ashley's probably dug his heels in even more because of it. Um, they've tried to, to do the whole let's not go to games it didn't work properly because you know there was a few empty seats but the majority of fans will turn up to support your team so I don't know I don't know what the answer is I really don't yeah I mean I not. think you've just got to let it play out I really do yeah let it play out but the stuff I think putting stuff on the side of the club and stuff like that it makes us look bad as a club it doesn't make the chairman look bad it makes us look bad and it makes the fans look spoilt and uh, I think there's other ways of going about it, and it, and yeah, maybe maybe the, the start of these groups. Everton have got no god-given right to be to, to to be like a super rich club or to be challenging for every sort of cup. Um, we want to, of course, we want to, but we haven't got the right to it. Um, I don't know where this high and mighty attitude's coming from from some sides of this argument, but um, as I say, here are we. Let's just see what happens. 
Yeah, okay, so that's probably the longest news section we've ever done now. See, this crossover from news into uh, issues, so... Uh, issues. Talking of which, we're going to... issues a word? Because I've just trademarked it. Like news it. and issues, issues. Yeah. We change our... Issues. No, it sounds like you sneezing. <laughs> sounds like the Atsu joke from last week. Oh, don't get me, don't remind me about that. Bless you. Um, one final bit before we just go into that little social media links and question of the week. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, our away form is key to our success this season. Disagree. Okay, home I, form for me. Home form, yeah, we need to make good a certain. Uh, t- uh, you going to say fortress? Oh, I knew you were going to say fortress. Why can't it be a castle or a fort? No, that's, that's still a fortress, isn't it? A fort. I was going to no. say. Why can't it be a garrison? It's not 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 necessarily not even a fortress. Barracks. Just stop being so boring and make teams scared of what we're going to throw at them, rather than. Learn our game that which which we got found out last season, and then sit and uh, and and do us, and either come away with a point or all three, rather than thinking about like or oh, whatever I'm gonna, uh, I've got to offer us here because they they know. So why don't we mix it up at home? Switch between four four two and four five one. Don't play two holding midfielders sometimes. I don't know when teams are expecting us to play this. But a possession game, which we we must have ninety percent possession across our back four. Maybe go long. Maybe try and play the counter attack at home just to mix things up a little bit. So. I had a little rumor that Stephen Nagsmith may be subject to a bit this week from Norwich. From Norwich, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't hundred percent surprise me. I think something like that. Do you think Stephen A. Smith surplus to requirements at the minute? Not at the minute, no. I think we need we need uh, experienced players, but I think his little uh, honeymoon period after his being the joke of the club period, I think that's kind of died down a little bit now, and we realise that what we'll get from is good work rate, honesty, good finishing if he gets an opportunity, but we don't always get the best touch on the ball. Or any kind of real vision. I don't. I don't think we get a whole lot out of his game that we would miss if he wasn't at the club, which is kind of sad because he's a good lad, isn't he? And the Albino Pele. And the Albino Pele, yeah. Uh, I think he's more just like the. Oh, I hate to. I hate to knock this fella because he's our, our diamond, but he's more like the Albino Graham Stewart at the moment. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So diamonds. The non-ginger Graham Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. We went over into a lot of social media kind of stuff there, uh, but we're going to give you our links now, and then come back with just a little bit more with our questions of the week, which you put out. Yeah. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com/efc/notbitterjustbetter, or you can find us on Twitter at justbetterefc. Yeah, so we're going to talk now about our question of the day uh, and what we put out on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I thought I'd go a little bit lighthearted this week. It's been a, it was a bit of a heavy news session, wasn't it? Uh, and it would be very easy to go and 
now talk about something doom and gloom with the board and everything, but I thought, let's, like a Roberto Martinez question on Monday Night Football, I thought to deflect it somewhere else. Um, and um, I was thinking back to the, you know, the survey in the mirror with who, your clubs that who are your favourite and who are your, your most disliked. And it, it, the thought came to me, like, which players do you, are the most liked and most disliked from other teams? Uh, I thought it would be an interesting question to throw out there just to see what the general feeling is of Evertonians towards other teams' players. Uh, and personally, I was open just to get a load of bitterness against Liverpool players. However, there actually wasn't that much. Before we go into the players, could you name your clubs, apart from the obvious the obvious one, what about other clubs that you like and dislike in the Premier League? Bad, you put me on the spot. I've always, I've said this before. I've always hated Aston Villa. Mine too. Me too. Ah, it's it, just some other clubs starting to get up there as well now, though. Like Newcastle. Aston Villa don't bother me that much oh, anymore. Like yeah, Newcastle. New, I used to quite. I used to like Newcastle did, in yeah, the yeah. days of Ginola when he had that team. That's brilliant. All that good side to watch, and I used to like them. Yeah, now yeah, they are. They are very annoying. Yeah. What else? I mean, Sunderland bore the pants off me. Uh, what? What? Else? Clubs that you like now, I think Southampton. Uh, I said before they're inoffensive. Palace. That was what I was going to say. Surprisingly, seeing as they've got Alan Pardew as manager, I do quite have a little soft spot for Crystal Palace. Um, I don't know why I've got a, a, a strange sort of. A lot of people dislike this club, but I don't mind West Ham. West Ham. Yeah. I see them as like a proper football club. Do you hate Chelsea? Do I hate Chelsea? I like it. I've got a soft spot for Mourinho. I like Mourinho. I would. I mean, if, if they come and take stones away, I, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because you look through clubs and you look through Chelsea. I hate John Terry. I, I, I really have this dislike about John Terry. Um, but then they've got some players that I do like. You know, Hazard's a great player. Uh, I I actually really like Diego Costa. Yep. Even though he's one of them figures that would polarise people, he's either you know you either like him or you hate him. Um, so I don't, I, I can't say I hate Chelsea. I reserve my hatred for a for one club. I don't like hate. However, I do have an intense hatred for Liverpool. Of course. Um, so Liverpool are going to be always will be the one and only hated club. Um, and then the, the likes. I mean, we 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 can kind of get away. The likes of Man United and Arsenal and stuff. Although Arsenal haven't done themselves any favours with us over the years, uh, successful clubs, apart from the shite, you know, you, you can sometimes admire that prolonged success, can't you? And you know, they don't think they've got a divine right to win stuff. I'm sure City fans could argue that United fans thought they had this right for the 26 years that they didn't win the league. Did they think, did they expect it still? Whereas Liverpool fans now, they expect every season that they're going to win the league. There's varying degrees of it though, isn't it? I mean, I would say I respect Man United and Arsenal more than I do Man City and Chelsea. And that's just because they've had the whole, you know, super rich owners come in and buy them success. And they act now. The thing that annoys me about those two clubs is they now act like they are superpowers of English football and well, he's massive but they are now and they are yeah but it hasn't always been that way no. but you know 
all history before the Premier League's forgotten about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Or if you're a Man City fan, all history before the last five years. <laughs> yeah. So. It really is, isn't it? It's like amazing. So it is. So yeah, it's always going to be Liverpool, my most hated. Uh, I quite like Crystal Palace. I quite like Southampton. Southampton are very sort of inoffensive, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, they like to sell Liverpool crap players. So that is always a winner for me. Okay, uh, so the actual question which you, you put out this week, uh, who is your most liked non-Everton player in the league and who is your most hated? Should we do ours at the end again? Like we yeah, we'll do ours at the end. Uh, I'll start off, uh, Kelvin Hill only did half the question. Uh, he obviously couldn't find a player that he liked in the league. Uh, so he's just gone for, it's quite a popular choice this, Jack Wilshere. He's a cocky little overrated prick. Good use of words, which uh, the word prick pops up quite a bit in this. Jack Wilshire, what's your thoughts? I think he's a good player. I think he's a he's cocky a wh- little overrated prick. He's not. Oh, he's not a world class player, but he's a good player. Tied in the ball. Yeah. He's a bad bell, though, isn't he? Oh, he is. Yeah. There's, there's a, uh, one of the Everton forums. I think uh, my my boss and work loves it. The the Everton board host is called, and they have this phrase for a certain type of player called a hank. Now, I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's ra- Cockney, Riven slang, slang or whatever, but Jack Wilshire is a hank. It's like these little sort of wo- woolly, sudden, love-me-self players with loads of tattoos who wear, like, bad clothes. No, Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. you see many like, of them like around a, these days, yeah. Like a chavvy sort of Cockney. So, for instance, I would describe Giroud as a hank. Well, J- Jaden here, Giroud, just a prick. Uh, so it's he only answered half the question, but he did. I want to give a shout out to Jaden because he's in uh, he's in Perth in Australia, oh, right. and he's uh, he sent us a message. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, dude. Yeah, uh, he sent us a message this week uh, saying how much he, he loves the, the podcast and it gets him through Fridays and work. So uh, nice to have you on board, Jaden. Uh, Corey Sweet. So a few Arsenal players popping up here. Liked Alexis Sanchez. Disliked. <laughs> now Carrigan Suarez are gone. Probably. I like this Horrenderson. Horrenderson? I'm going to pinch that. Horrenderson. I'm going to pinch Horrenderson, yeah. Uh, it's a good play on words. He's an annoying little... Do you know what? Gerard left and I thought, yes, we get rid of the smugness of Gerard, the annoying press conferences where he's captain. And him. I know, I can't say anything about him and like, but you know. Henderson slotted right in there the, the problem is with that though right in there with that annoying planet of the apes face and his his just inability to string a sentence together and his obvious lack of IQ I hate him the problem the problem I've got with Horrenderson we've always hate to give them any type of praise now Gerard's gone I suppose we can give them a, l- a little bit of praise and say he was a, he, he was a great player not doing it he, he was a great and what 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 is Henderson? I can't he's, he's not world class he's barely international class but suddenly he's this this new saviour for Liverpool Football Club what I think it just shows how far they have dropped in the world football stakes that he's their captain I also like Jordan Benderson what do you think well I think that's quite um, uh, no, quite, okay. quite dodgy okay. that one. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you something else. Henderson and Lallana, the Nivea Averts. Oh my god. 
I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. I will never buy a Nivea product again. Do you remember that old joke? Why did Nivea cream? Because Max Factor. Exactly, yeah. I like that one. Go on. Jodie Lawrence. Love watching Cazorla play. He's a little genius. And I hate Skirtle. Dirty prick. Skirtle's a very good one to hate, isn't oh, it? Oh, that face is just... I don't think anyone was ever tired of just punching that face in over and 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 over again. Okay. Cazorla's <laughs> uh, up there for me, I must admit. I do, yeah, you know, yeah. great player. Um, very, and he's got a very cute face, I think. He's, like, he's got, like, chubby cheeks. And he's got, like, one of those faces where you just want to go... <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, James White... For hard work and commitment and passion, it's got to be Alexis Sanchez, who under the for Sanchez. Most hated would be Raheem Sterling, because he's an overrated, greedy prick. 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 Yeah. Michael Gale uh, also goes with Sterling uh, for his most hated. Everything in one player that isn't wrong with modern day football. And, well, I just I don't think it's football. I think it's society in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's I nearly said something that... We haven't said anything that we could get in trouble with. Libel people, have we? You said something oh, today. Oh, libel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I nearly said something about them, battering women. Uh, but I didn't say it, so you can't. No, you didn't say. Yeah, you didn't and say. And which no. which one of his many women? Which one of his many baby mama? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, Adam Lams, Aunt Ramsey, Michael Gale chooses for his uh, his, his most liked. It's a good shout. Act. Good shout, Adam uh, Ramsey. Yeah, good shout. Uh, Ryan Sangster. Uh, he loves Aguero, and he hates anyone in red. Just Liverpool Red, I think he means. I don't think he means Pamela Anderson and Baywatch. Oh, no, I don't think so. Graeme uh, Smallwoods, Yaya Tori, Tori, top draw, uh, Joey Barton, what a disgrace. He's been touting himself around to clubs this week, Joey Barton, hasn't he? West Ham looks like he's uh, on the verge of going there, despite him and the chairman having uh, more than a little. Uh, no, it's off now. More it's than off. a few disagreements. It's gone. It's off. Done. The, the deals. Yeah, now completely dead. It's not going there. All right. Okay. Uh, the fans were in uproar, uh, and then Joey Barton came out and said, "I'm not really that bothered. I'm in talks with loads of clubs, but there's only one club I would never go to. And it was Sunderland." Okay. Strange. Okay. Um, Mark Bagnell, most hated, easily Teddy for me. I can see why, Mark. Uh, and. I like Costa. I love his attitude. I agree with that. His attitude. I like the fact that he scores loads of goals. Do you not like the fact that he's a horrible? <laughs> I, got, I, I, I like got, the fact. I can't that say I like he, that. No, I think I, that's I, a I, byproduct of his. No, I quite like the fact that he, he. You know, you know the way like Suarez would would do horrible, snidey things, and then he like completely deny it with him. Costa just sort of like does it and has it, doesn't he? I like it. Uh, Colin Shears near the bottom there says uh, David Silva just a class player disliked would be Jack Wilshire he spends half of most games complaining because he's been tackled near the half rolling around pretending to be eight ok Scott Royal Silva again he's just a proper footballer and Nasby <laughs> just covers just because of his whiny little face I love that I just remembered day. I remember someone I mentioned before for one of our hates which, we, which I, I haven't put in mind Gosling yeah. Should, should should we still should he still be there? If you want, no. sure, hey, you can hate who you want. No, you don't no, need to I've, look I've to got, other people for justification. Remember, I've got I've got mine. Right, okay. I don't need any justification for it. Okay, I've just got my own. 
Uh, yeah, Sammy and Ashley, he has got a whiny little face. A whiny little ugly lesbian face. Yeah, Stuart Shaw keeps it short and sweet. Adam Ramsey liked, Diego Castell disliked. Uh, Dan Emerson, Aguero, he's class. Most hated is hard to pick. It usually depends on who we are playing that day. There's always someone who you thought was sound and then they do something against us in the game that puts you right off them. It's a good point. That is a good point. Cause Ka- I was- Kabaye? Yeah. With the ball boy. Shawcross, you think he's a good, solid defender and then he always winds one of our players up big time. Like, yeah. With Fellaini a few years ago, he just does it with... Yeah. But yeah. He, I always think he's a good, proper, proper defender. Him. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but then Dan goes on. There is one that really sticks out for him and Oof. it's one yeah. that would have been very close to the top of mine uh, and that's going to be Daniel Sturridge. He is a fucking shithouse uh, and he hates his dance. And he puts we, four fuming faces. Four big fumes, yeah. Yeah. So, we're trying not to swear so we lose our explicit rating on iTunes, but when it comes to Daniel Sturridge, I don't mind using the term fucking shithouse. I, 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 could, I, could, I was nearly dropped a T-bomb then. Really? A, a C-bomb, even. Right, okay. well, I'm not going to. I'm going to let people uh, read between the lines there. Uh, yes, so... What about what about ours? Oh, oh, I'm, 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 I'm swollen now. I know me hated, but you know, that does push it. I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a play that I like, and I'm gonna do a most hated outside of Liverpool Football Club, and then I'm gonna name every single Liverpool player that's ever no, and then I'm gonna name the most hated who plays for Liverpool Football Club. Is that okay? Okay, well I'm gonna do. Th- I can't pick one favourite, so I'm picking three. Go on then, let's hear yours. Okay, who, who, who do you like? Me, me likes. I do like Aaron Ramsey, but he, he's he's just he, he goes. Do you not think he's a bit of a hank? No, you don't. No, I think he. Cause do you not think he's he likes his six pack and likes to take selfies like Roy Keane said? Not not as much as Wilshire and Giroud because they really are hanks. If if, if yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know he's a, he's a Welsh lad. He's come in and he. I, I think he knows. I think he's. Uh, I think he likes to look prim and proper on the pitch and like play. Yeah, no, I it's think, not wrong with a bit of style. Yeah, yeah. Not but I don't wrong. think. I, but I think he's got substance there, and uh, so he's there or thereabouts. David Silver is another one who's there or thereabouts. Uh, just other class, and you know that spell. I think it was the beginning of last season where he was just. Through balls from like fifty yards, just every and hit was like an assist. Uh, and but then when when we went to City last last year, and he was he was diving around a little bit and just being really annoying in a referee's face all the time, and that put me off him a little bit. But he's still class. But Aguero, Aguero's just just amazing. I could say someone like Torre, but he, where he's, when he's, he goes missing, doesn't he? And he spits his dummy out when he doesn't get a birthday cake. So uh, I found that quite amusing. No, Aguero. Right, okay. And who do you hate? Just do your likes first. You want to do my likes? Well, I would say at the moment, as far as likes go, it, it's slim pickings for me. It really is. I, you know, in the past, I, I like a player with a bit of style about him. A bit of what's that French term? Is it Je de Vivre or something? Je ne sais quoi. No, that's that's not right. That's kind of a song, isn't it? No, that's it. But that's it. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, forget about our French. But that does lead me on to one of them. Um, you know, 
I like a stylish player. I like a winger. So in the past, I've had David Ginola before he signed for us in his Newcastle days. Uh, I loved Berbatov. Greatest first touch I've ever seen. He Dennis Bergkamp's. Liked Bergkamp. Um, I'd have loved to have seen Perlo come to the Premier League. They're my type of player. There isn't When you look around, there isn't anyone who sort of really falls into that category at the minute, I wouldn't say. Um, so... This might be a bit controversial to some Evertonians, but I'm going to have to go with Wayne Rooney. Yeah, okay. I like the way he plays. I like the, you know, I like the fact that, and again, this is going to be controversial with some Evertonians. Um, I like the fact that he's still an Evertonian at heart, proven by the fact that he came back and played in Big Dunk's game. Um, so, probably Wayne Rooney. It's unfortunate the circumstances around that because he, he's, he's a proper footballer as well isn't he he's yeah. like, and he, he works hard he's got he's probably got a lot of skill but he doesn't see the need to do I mean we all love a little Marseille role turn and you know what they call the, the Rabona and all we all love seeing stuff like that but Rooney his great his, his greatest skill is he can just run past people and he's got he's got overhead kicks and scissor kicks yeah, and all yeah. that and his lock he can do that he can, he can knock out the back heels here there and everywhere uh, but his greatest skill is he can finish and he can just run past players and he and he can pass so he, he doesn't necessarily need to do all like no luck passes and all that kind of stuff so yeah 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 and the fact the fact that he left us on, under like such poor circumstances but he's gone on to you know be a success and yeah I, I don't it's hard to begrudge that. I'm sure there's somebody random I probably forgot about, but hater players. Uh, Agbonlahor. Agbonlahor. I, 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 I did not see anymore. that coming. Gabby Agbonlahor. Gabby, 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 Gabby Agbonlahor. He likes to score. Yeah, I hate him. <laughs> and he always scores past us. The little horrible little twat. I did it. <laughs> I did it. He's gone for the T-bone. <laughs> um, my, I'm going to... As far as Liverpool players go, oh yeah, yeah, Henderson for all the reasons I mentioned before is right up there. Henderson, yeah, Sturridge is the one now. Even now, at yeah. the moment, yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. playing, so he's he's been pushed a little bit towards the back of my memory. He's a bit of a fading fading memory at the moment. However, I've got a feeling his first game back will be the derby against us. I hate the prick, and he'll score, and he'll run down to in front of the Gladys Street, and he'll do that stupid dance. And I will try to get over the barrier to kill him and probably get banned from Goodison for the rest of my life. That should be lose funny. my job, lose my house and end up as a street alcoholic because of Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> so for that reason, that reason alone, I hate him. Go on. My non-Liverpool player is in fact an ex-Liverpool player and it's John Joe Shelby. Yeah. I hate him. I hate yeah. his face. I hate the way he runs. I hate the fact that he's a snidey, horrible little player. He's one of them players that does things like spits. You know, I used to hate Ashley Young, but John Joe Shelby has now taken over from him. Okay. I hate John Joe Shelby. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I hate it think... when we're linked to him. My Liverpool one, I don't know. It's storage, it's got to be. It's all of them, isn't it? Uh, no, what, what I'm starting to hate now, though, is the way... I don't, I'm, you know, we call them not bitter, and we don't want to sound like, you know, but we do hate them. Uh, Coutinho... I'm starting decent little player. Is he Pele? Is he Ronaldo? Is he Messi? No. No. He's an alright player in an alright team. He's not 
suddenly, you know, the reincarnation of all these players who aren't even dead yet. Is it's he? a fluky offside goal at the weekend as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, it was offside. Well, you know, even that. What's his face? The governor of Walking Dead, who's just gone down completely, in my opinion. Um, tweeted out afterwards, "Is it too early to decide goal of the season?" It's like you beaut. It wasn't even in the top corner. He just banged it as hard as what he could. What's the Walking Dead got to do with Coutinho? What's his name? Thingy Morrissey. David Morrissey. Yeah. Apparently, he... is he a red chase? Yeah. Is he? Well, it's only because he's only he got one eye. I don't think he's got one eye in real life, has he? I don't care. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Last picture I saw him, we did. <laughs> anyway, there you go. What a strange tangent that was. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, he's getting up there. Just and that, that's. I don't think that's more that I ate him. It's more that I ate to, to project him. Wasn't goal of the day? Mm-hmm. Well, it probably was actually. But did you? Did, by the, did you? Have you looked, seen all the goals on the weekend? Yeah. Put you on the spot. Did you see the disallowed Cameron Jerome goal? Yeah. What was wrong with that? High foot? No way. I know, I'm not that's, that's what he's saying. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible decision, referee. Yeah. Anyway, just to show off better, and we support other clubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's fun, that. Talking about the players. It's better like. than moaning about the board, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moaning about the shite instead. Okay, so where we would normally start off with, we're going to go there in a minute and talk about the Watford game, but also. The upcoming Southampton game. Lead it into Southampton away. we change it up this season as we said so we put both games together so the one we're looking back at will be Watford and then we look ahead to the Southampton game and that's going to be our format for the rest of the season unless we unless it's terrible unless it's terrible yeah Uh, but first of all the Watford game obviously kicking off the season at home ideal scenario really isn't it Uh, we we, we did say last week that it was a potential banana skin yeah, against the team with like, a kit that looks like bananas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was it was going to be a tricky one. How tricky, you know, was was always well, it proved to be tricky. Yeah, uh, starting starting eleven. You know, there was doubts over Lukaku. He made it. We talked about the doubts before over Baines. He didn't make it. Well, we all knew Baines was going to be out as, as we previously we said. Did, it was we just knew. about who was going to come in. We knew, it? but did we know? Because there was no confirmation. But right. Galloway came in at left back anyway. With Oviedo on the bench. Oviedo on the bench, yeah. In your opinion, if Oviedo's fit enough to be on the bench, why is he not fit enough to start again? I don't know. That's that's always a debate that, that we always we can always have. Uh, but I don't think we'll be having that on Saturday when we talk in a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, Galloway gets gets the nod. Yeah, Stones made it. He was the other one who was a possible missing. Morales was also a doubt. Yeah. He made it, uh, and we did see uh, Barry and McCarthy start the game in, in midfield. And cleverly made his debut. Yeah, cleverly was sort of put out on wide. I would say started on the left. Yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? Started on the left uh, and Barkley in the middle just behind the cash. Switched with the, so cleverly and Morales switched flanks a few times. 
Uh, I don't like cleverly on the wing before before we get into the game. Uh, I think it's very unfair, that, that, you know, for the lads to come in to start. He's already, you know, maybe wasn't the first choice of some Evertonians. I think some Evertonians would like an excuse to get on his back. Um, sticking him out in wide left probably is not his best position. But I actually thought he had a decent game. I thought before before we. Um, be- Tom Cleverly is he a Hank? Um, possibly, yeah. Uh, possibly, don't know. Um, I haven't seen enough of him to suggest that so far. Morales? Uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, 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 we digress. This is the serious part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we got, got the team line up. The usual. I think it's kind of become habit now rather than people's actual opinion uh, to just slate Gareth Barry as soon as the team news comes in. I think that's unfair based on his performances towards the end of last season. But ten minutes into the game, I was starting to see <laughs> see their side of things. I thought he didn't have the best start to the Gareth Barry. He was giving the ball away left, right, and centre. Um, uh, yeah, so I was started. Do you know what struck me about the game? As the two teams were, you know, preparing for the start of the game, um, just how big the Watford side were compared to oh, us. Yeah, then, you know, they had some big lads, didn't he? That centre back who looked like Prod- um, Proddle. Proddle, his name was Proddle. Yeah, Proddle. Like, Glenn Proddle or Chrissy Proddle we knew what the tactic would be as soon as we saw that fella at a centre back we knew that we were going to just going to play a ball up to uh, Lukaku every time yeah for Lukaku 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 or Proddle uh, for Lukaku not to win a header against this, this he, big giant of a centre he did, he did win a fair few but not against him <laughs> he did have a few big lads though um, and we do I mean that worries me that we do look a little bit small a little yeah. bit lightweight uh, the left back looked good I've got no idea what his name is. Oh, nobody looked a bit of skill. But I, I, I remember... Was it left-back? He the was right a back? big lad, though. Was it? No, it was the right-back. The right-back, yeah. Remember Morales? Absolutely trying to burn him off, but not getting past him pace-wise. So we tried a little a little uh, back heel inside to go round him, and then he just, like, had him off, basically. The, yeah. the full-back had him off. 30 seconds later, runs, bombs down the, down the wing, the full-back. Does exactly the same thing to Morales but it does come off and I was like a bit of role reversal there kind of a uh, yeah uh, definitely um, talk about my, I don't think Morales had a particularly good game um, no he, I wonder where he was for half of it yeah we, he did, as I say he switched with disappointing. Uh, he switched with cleverly and I, I, I just I, I'm not sure where our fullbacks kind of fit into things it seemed like it was very congested around the right hand side so when Coleman pushed up and when Morales was over there it seemed like there was only like 10 yards between them and they were both hugging the touchline and then you'd have a midfielder who more often than not was McCarthy uh, McCarthy come over and support over on that side as well so we had three players within like if we if we had one of those big Sky Sports giant iPad thing the Skypad oh why no one can see us oh, no, but if, if, oh yeah 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 so at the moment, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a, a big circle around, well, a little circle around those three players because they were so close together. Surely, if the fullback is pushing up, the winger should be cutting inside so that he can go on the overlap a little bit more. And then maybe the central midfielder should be dropping in a little bit to cover for in case the fullback gets caught out of position. So then you've got Morales in a more central position. You've got Coleman bombing onto the right. 
And then you've got McCarthy, still in a central midfield position, but over to the right a little bit. But they were all virtually on the touchline. And, you know, that's three players out potentially out of uh, out of the game if the ball gets switched. And you've got Galloway over there on the left on his own. Yeah, OK. Quite, uh, quite good analysis, that, wasn't it, on the skypad? Uh, that's about for you, that, yeah. Um, but as the game gone on, you know, the first 20 minutes or so, a very familiar pattern basically started to develop. Uh, Watford sat in. Yeah. Uh, were very organised, two banks of four. Uh, and Everton slowly plodded along trying to break them down. Um, to very little effect, really. I can't think of any great chances that we had. Uh, you know, we had we were seeing a lot of the ball. Um, we weren't really getting anywhere this couple of times. Barkley got the ball fed into feet. He went on a little run. He ran sideways most of the time. Uh, didn't particularly produce anything. Um, and then, same old, same old story. Counter-attack. 1-0 to Wofford. Yeah, I mean, it, just the pace of their breakaway com- in comparison to ours. We'd take maybe 20 passes to get just past the halfway line. You know, and... Uh, and they'd, you know, they pinged it about just a little bit. Not even like super crisp football, just like... Just remember while you talk about this goal, this is where Kevin Morales was doing too much work. Oh, yeah. He's working too hard yeah. at this point. Yeah. So, the ball the ball comes over anyway, uh, over to the wing. They bomb down the wing a little bit. Cross comes in. Not particularly well dealt with. Kind of comes off Jagielka's side, doesn't it? And then it's... Uh, and it's straight into the path of Leon, who uh, buries it. Basically, no chance for Howard. But, unfor- like, fortunate bounce, unfortunate bounce for us. But you've got to be dealing with stuff better than that. You can't just let the ball, as a central defender, you can't get, let, just let the ball bounce off your side into the player's path. Get it, get, get something into, onto it. You know, get your chest onto it. Do one of your super jaggy Elka scorpion kick specials. Um, anything. Just, uh, just lazy, that. I think it was lazy defending and um, we, we paid the price 13 minutes in 1-0 down and if you know it was a little bit of uh, you know it, it was it was already a little bit of discontent in the crowd then after that you know it just went south even further yeah it wasn't a quick fix either was it as you say we stayed behind then until well uh, go on sorry it's a typical typical you know huff, huff and puff and not really get anywhere and then you look at the bench for some kind of activity, uh, 1-0 down, doesn't seem to much happening at all. Wofford still making changes, still t- making tactical changes. I think I, 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 I might be telling a lie. I think we made a change quite early on, either at half-time or uh, not long after half-time, where Galloway made way for Barry to drop into left-back. And, and Kone came on. And Kone came on. So we did look to make a change there eventually. But when was, do you think there was anybody in the ground when Kone came on who thought Kone will, will be the player who makes the difference here? Apparently Jaggy Elker and Roberto. Right, okay. And Kone's mum and dad, maybe. Uh, probably not even Kone's mum and dad. Uh, but, you know... We've got to give credit where credit's due. I thought Kone came on, uh, and I would have to say in the you know the twenty minutes half an hour that he got, he was probably man of the match. Yeah, from I, an Everton point of view, because he was the only player that made any real impact for Everton. I would say across the ninety minutes. 
Uh, I've seen a few people come on to Facebook and on our Facebook and on Twitter saying he did more in 20 minutes than Lukaku did in the whole game. Get rid of that lazy T-bomb. I wouldn't go that far. No, Lukaku didn't do a whole lot, uh, but didn't have a whole lot to do. You know, it's very frustrating when you... It must be very frustrating as a forward and you must have to have some engine. I think the top forwards, the real, real top forwards, constantly, constantly make the runs, whereas the reason Lukaku's at someone like us rather than, you know, still at Chelsea or Man U or whatever, is like he'll make those runs and if he's not found the first couple of times, you know, he needs a breather and he'll stop and then he'll like... And then people will see that and say, why aren't you making a run? But he's not... He does make runs. It's just he's not often found with them. And what happened to that Lukaku running onto a through ball from the first season we had him? Well, there's no through balls. There's no through balls. But... And there's no space because there's always two banks of four sat right in front of him. Yeah. Um, things did change though. 76 minute. Um, it was a nice little build-up play. The ball got fed into to, to Kone. Nice ball up to Kone's feet. Uh, controlled it. Yeah. Knocked it back. Laid it off. Laid it off. Uh, Ross Barkley... Pop bang lovely. Well, it, it t- took a slight deflection on the way in, but do you not think that's hit it with some pace? Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even if, you know, if if a player was right in front of that, I think it would have still went through. Um, he, he's, but he's not had to think about it. I think the problem Ross Barkley has got is thinking. When the ball's just at, at, in that kind of situation where he just had to do go with his actual ability and instincts, and he just banged it. Fair enough. None of this having to do like a little pirouette or catalogue pose or whatever, or trying to unlock a defence with it after having a good you know ten seconds on the ball trying to go past players, just straight up bang. And it's easy, it's easy, it's so much, it's so easy when you see a player like that just do that and hit it with such well power and accuracy. Yeah, I mean at this point of the game we, we were pretty much. The only team in it, weren't we? At this point, we were piling on the pressure well, again, but still creating no real chances. There's a couple of possible headers. I mean, Kone had already, I think, is a, a header that was a free header. And Lukaku at the back post and as well. Lukaku missed a header at the back post. Uh, we've obviously mentioned earlier in the podcast, Morales got injured at some point during the second half and, yeah. uh, and made his way. Um, but then in typical Everton fashion, uh, as, as we're piling on the, on the, the, the pressure... Uh, in the 83rd minute, another break from from Wofford, uh, and up steps Ighalo Ig- or Ighalo. I don't know how you pronounce his name. I don't know much about the lad. Um, who basically sends John Stones for his dinner twice. And, yeah. Sends Jags for his dinner as well. Sends uh, Howard the wrong way as well. And a nice little finish into the the, the far post. And it was a decent goal, wasn't it? Decent he took it well. He took you, it well. You can't, can't take that from him. Defensively, it's not good enough. You can't have players. Go to ground, not not just once, twice, maybe, and uh, you know, like two or three defenders just both being dragged all over the show, and it's uh, it was utter desperation, but not a good type of desperation, not the John Terry type of desperation, where like he'll get his head in front of the ball if you need be. It was just just hold him up. Yeah, I must I must say at that point I sat down in my seat and I just thought we've got beat here. I, I you know. I was disheartened. I couldn't see us getting back into the game. I thought once we equalised at one-one, whoever scored the next goal will go, will go on to win the game. That was what I believed. Wofford took it, uh, and I thought that was it. Uh, and then the most unlikely of heroes, 
uh, a couple of minutes later, we'll get back up the pitch. Uh, a ball gets played across to Kone, tight angle. Um, I think, hold on, I think you're doing a little bit of disservice to uh, Lukaku there. He held it up well. And yeah, he did. Yeah. Laid a perfect ball into a little bit, just a little tiny bit wide, but good, good weight on it. Good weight. Kone goes wide and uh, a great little finish to slide it into the far post. Yeah, yeah. Lovely finish. Uh, again, didn't have to think about it. Just let his, let his instincts do the talking. Great ball into his path. All he had to do, readjust his, 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 his run just a little tiny little bit. But then, first time finish. And Do you agree with me that if there's anybody at all in the Everton squad that needed that goal, it was him? I think uh, the, the, the two players who were under the most pressure and probably needed the goals more than anyone got them and do you think both players will push on from that I think one of them will right. I don't know which one right okay <laughs> because it'll go one or two it'll, it'll, it'll go I, I don't think we'll, we'll be that lucky and get both them push on okay I thought Coney would push on after that Newcastle goal where it would, again didn't have to think about it first time finish just rattled it into the top corner you know six minutes in against St James's last season I thought he was going to push on from that and then he just completely didn't. I mean, though that 20-30 minutes could be a turning point in his Everton career, couldn't it? I hope it so. Could, a goal it could assist. take a little bit of pressure off him because what more do you want from a striker? He's been on the pitch half an hour and he's had an assist and a goal. What more do you want? I, I said to, I've said this to everyone after the game. He's just so odd the way he runs with the ball and the way he controls it. And the way he looks. He's, he's, he's dead. He's, yeah, he's just he's very, very strange. Like, like hobbity kind of running and stuff and I think it'd probably help him a lot just his reputation if he just like shaved his head. Well you've had I know that's daft to go with like hairstyles and that, but that does have an effect you, on you, people. Yeah, you can't look like flamboyant. And not be flamboyant because yeah. you're just gonna get ripped. It's like uh, uh, uh Xavier. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he, he, if you're Neymar, you can get away with it. Because yeah. you're Neymar. Yeah. If you're Paul Pogba, you can get away with it. If you're Aruna Kone, you can't get away with it as much. It needs to be more like bread and butter, kind of get your Gibral bread and butter. Gibraltar, right? what was that all about? Yeah. He's rubbish, and he still had like the most outrageous haircuts ever. But, but hey, let me just say something. So the game finished too. Something about his control, right? As a as a kid growing up in England, whenever you get taught, like your, 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 your games teacher or your PE teacher or whatever, and then I suppose kids who've gone on to football academies or whatever, the ball come over and you, you have to do control training and stuff like that and you either control it side foot into space where you want it or kill it dead or control it with your instep he controls it with the bottom of his toes have you noticed I've not noticed are you talking about like when you're trying to trap the ball no all the you time you can't give advice on that I've seen you play football you couldn't trap your oh, fingers sh- in the door like. <laughs> um, no uh, it, it's so it's so fu- yeah but I'm, I'm, I'm not a professional footballer and he's I, I, you know, I can't believe you haven't noticed it. I keep an eye out for it. He controls it. It's not. It's not every time, but I think I know what you mean. He sort of gets his foot puts flat his, on it, puts his toes up, yeah, and and the ball comes to him, and he like push it in front of himself with the bottom of his toes, and yeah, it's not. I do you know what you mean? Just, Is that not just so he can run onto it though? But what, what, you can do that with your instep. You can do that with the uh, your side foot, outside of the foot. It could just be his posture with the way you say he runs. Funny though, it could just be the way his body's made up. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The but, amount of cruciate ligaments he's had taken out of his knee, probably one of his legs about a foot shorter than the other one. I just think it's a, it's a real funny technique, and you you notice stuff when when players are in you know poor runs of form or whatever. You start to pick up on like 
like awkward movements and looking funny and all stuff like that, you start to think about things a little bit more and I think maybe I'm picking on them, on them a little bit now. Maybe a little bit. So the game finished 2 all. 2 all. Um A few things I wanted to take from the game. Number one, uh, I thought the Watford fans were excellent. I, I oh, yeah, really yeah, liked yeah. that thing they had where they all went, we're going to bounce in a minute, we're going to, and then we're going to dance in a minute and then the whole, the whole stand starts bouncing. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. it. Yeah. So, uh, I love to see that you know you're, you normally always get that with the teams that come up they have a bit of a party parade don't they and go around all the ground so fair play to the West uh, why do we keep saying West Ham to the to the Watford fans um, I'm going to do this new thing each week now I'm going to do three plus points from a game and three negative points from a game ok ok my negative points are Lukaku being offside I think oh, that's yeah, going to yeah. stay there every week yeah James McCarthy gave the ball away a hell of a lot Passing was off this week. That's not normal from him. Maybe it's just a bit of early season, sort of, you know, not being up to speed. Uh, and my third one, which I had, was the fact that we just can't defend. Oh, no, <laughs> I can't no. sing it any more simply than that. It's, it's worrying, isn't it? Because we've got, you know, uh, Jagielka's a good defender, out and out defender, good. He'll win a lot of headers, win a lot of tackles, but. Some, somewhere along the way the organisation from set pieces and crosses coming in is something that we've just gone down and down and down and down and down hill over, uh, the, over the last year or two yeah me three plus points uh, obviously Kone's impact when he came on um, I thought that uh, Tom Cleverley was another one I thought he had a very he didn't do anything outrageous but he had a very tidy game I thought uh, and my third one is obviously Russ Barkley the, Russ Barkley's goal and a finish and hopefully that can sort of spare him on a little bit I didn't notice this in the celebrations but you know I put a picture of Ross Barkley uh, celebrating and then John Stones looking made up and so I put a picture out and said like does this look like a lad who wants to leave meaning John Stones and somebody messaged back and said just not longer after that photo like literally seconds after Ross Barkley pushed his hand away like it's because he was messing his hair up Oh, was it? Yeah, because so, yeah, he messed his hair up. So he's a, he's a hank as well. That's why I, I, I Well, I think I think I don't know is the answer, but I think it was just because I think it was messing about. I don't think it was serious. Hope, hope well, you know, because you know, it'd start to be rumours. Then is like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. So moving on to Southampton at the weekend. Can it's, I just have one last say about Ross Barkley? No. Yeah, of course. I'm going to go. Uh, Get on my high horse about Ross Barkley again. He's scoring these outstanding goals. And it makes his show reel look a lot better, but I just want to see more, more and more, more and more bread and butter laying the ball 10, 5, 5 10, 15, 20 yards. I back that up for the fact that I like it. I thought Ross Barkley didn't have a good game at all. I gave oh, him no. a five out of ten for the game, but I thought he, you know we took his goal well. A lad came into work the next day and said to me, "Barkley looked good yesterday. You seen him on match of the day?" And I was like, "I don't watch match of the day because it's a cop out show." Uh, but I was thinking, I just looked around. Barkley was terrible. What I don't. What were you watching? Yeah. He said, "Oh, he looked great on match of the day." So I, I, I see the point you're taking. Yeah, the, the more the, do the bread and butter stuff. If you know, if you don't think about it, bang those goals in. Yeah, but I'd love to see the bread and butter stuff. Just being able to just play a little Osman type ball, ten yards to just unlock a defence and do his number ten duty a little yeah. bit. Um, but I'm not going to slag him off completely. I'm just because a great goal. Um, I love that. Just Be- more, more and more. Before we move on, very quickly, a couple of words. What do you think of Galloway's performance? he was alright yeah he was tidy he looks a bit limited going forward at the moment but that might come with confidence uh, it was very much he'd get the ball he'd control it he'd 
tap it into someone. Or, well, I thought the only t- yeah, tapped or, up the wing. Yeah, so uh, but solid enough. You know, yeah, didn't, I mean, didn't, didn't didn't scare me. I'd rather see him in a few years as centre back rather than left yeah. left back. Didn't scare me though. Didn't remember like when Coleman first came into the team and he used to scare oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a liability. Yeah. yeah, didn't scare me. So that that's one good thing. Um, moving on. Southampton at the weekend. It's the early kickoff Saturday. Yeah, let's start with the lad who just finished on for the last game. There's been talk about all week. Who do we think is going to replace Baines in the long, short term? If you get me, the long, the short next, term in, in the next six weeks or so. I would still say Oviedo edges it for me, but I don't think he'll start against Southampton because I don't think he's still ready. He still looked very off the pace when he came on, I thought. I think he'll start against Southampton. I don't think he will. I think we'll go with Galloway again and he'll give Oviedo another half an hour. Mm. I think. That would be my prediction. Um, that's, that's, that's the real issue position at the moment, though, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think, that, you know, the, the, the early team news, obviously we're doing this on Thursday, the early team news is that we've got a couple of players coming back into content, contention. Jerry should be fit with a little bit of luck. Um, Morales was going back to training today. Uh, I think you're only going to see one of them anyway. Yeah, but, you know, we, can, we, we, did have, we didn't have the greatest of benches, did we, like into Watford. I think the bench should be a lot stronger. Uh, I think uh, McGeady's back in training and Bessic is back in training as well so a bit more choice in midfield um, do, do you foresee any changes from the start line I think Oviedo will come in for Galloway uh, I don't think Kone's done enough for a start uh, depends what Lukaku's fitness is like I can't see Barton losing his position can't see I can't see Barry or McCarthy being dropped and he's not going to drop cleverly because he's his mate now so see, no. <laughs> as if if we'd have been at home, I possibly could have seen maybe Barry dropping down, cleverly going into the middle and going with Morales Salafeu. That's what that's probably what I would do. However, I don't think we're gonna go and do that Southampton. See uh, uh, I think right, it'd be the same start the, the, eleven the with com- a stronger bench. The common opinion is that midfielders who will make way. I think the common opinion amongst Evertonians is that Gareth Barry is gonna be the most likely to make way out of that central midfield but now I think you've got three, maybe two more likely to make way before Gareth Barry I think Barkley's more likely to make way and into shuffle whoever he needs into there more than Barry I think Cleverly's more likely to make way more than Barry the only person I think McCarthy is probably the only one who is ahead of him interesting okay um, but that's, no, that's not said that's not my opinion that's my opinion on the, the way Roberto sees things is Kone done enough for a start? No. Would you change the team now? Go two up front? Probably. I probably would. You would? I probably would, yeah. But uh, Because I don't think I don't think we need two holding midfielders and another normal central midfielder like Cleverly in front of him. Right, okay. I don't... I, I, do we? You've got... You, one, of, one of those players is always going to be out of the game. Interesting, okay. Uh, looking back at Southampton last weekend, they started off in a very similar vein to Everton with a, a 2-2 draw uh, away from home at Newcastle, St James's Park. Um, it, you know, we've seen enough of Southampton over the last couple of years now to know that they've established themselves as a, a very good Premier League side. Uh, big changes again, you know, they do seem to turn players over quite regularly. And looking forward to the game, I mean, it's going to be... A difficult one, a difficult one for me. I think you know we are getting into a, a run of fixtures now that are ridiculously difficult. Um, 
you look at how they're probably going to shape up. Um, they've just got Jay Rodriguez back from injury, yeah. uh, who probably play you know off Pella or off front with Pella. Uh, they tend to go for the front three. You think Mane scored for them at the weekend? Who, who's starting to look like uh, a decent player as well? Did Mane score? I thought I thought it was Long and Pella. Um, might have been actually, yeah. But what you saying? Long came in for Rodriguez, didn't he? Yeah. Towards the end, so they've got that. He's a very similar kind of. Player busy, neat with the ball, good at running play, good running at players and gets in behind. So yeah, um, so it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult game. I don't think we've ever won on our lives in, in, while we've been live on BT Sport, which is uh, while it's going to be broadcast on here in the UK. Uh, it's an early doors Saturday kickoff, which never really seems to suit ever. Which is great to get down to Southampton. Yeah, and brilliant for the fans, of course. We'll be setting off at about probably four Friday o'clock night. in the morning. <laughs> So, uh, as usual, brilliant. Um, but, as usual, you know, we'll probably see uh, a loud support for, from the Evertonians down there. I think some tickets extra have been... Extra tickets have been... No, I think some have been given back. Oh, I think I thought so, yeah. some... No, right, okay. I think, I, I think so, but don't quote me on that. Um, so, prediction-wise... Well, let, let, before you do your predictions and stuff, last, last season, Southampton away was probably one of our... Uh, low points of the we season. Got was it was it three one three nil? Yeah. Um, awful. And you know now they they come into the season with probably optimism. We're coming into the season with pessimism. Uh, but both on the back of a draw. You know, it's Pella, Pella. You know, you talked about before we go into predictions. You know, we talked about how bad we are at dealing with uh, crosses defensively and that organisationally. Um, and they scored from two crosses, didn't they? That, uh, with Pelé with a great header and Shane Long at the back post as well. And it's not something that we, we've been dealing with, not just this season, but you know most of last season as well. And that's what we're already up against. So it's going to be tricky, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is going to be a tough game. I mean, one of the brighter points for us, I think, I thought their best two, or two of their best players last season were, were Klein and Bertrand, the full-backs. Bertrand's injured at the moment and Klein's obviously become a... a a nobody at some small town club up in the northwest of England. Uh, so, you know, they've had a change of fullback. Um, maybe, uh, I think the fullback's now a, a bit of an unknown quantity, really. So maybe they, they'll go on to, to prove to be just as good player for Southampton as, as, as what they, I think Target, a young lad, one of their academy prospects, started uh, at left back for them and they, they bought a lad at right back, Suarez, I think, or possibly. But, um, so. We're still seeing what the new look Southampton side actually set up like. Um, I predict that we'll get another draw. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. It'll be better received than the last draw. Yeah, but I think we need three points already. But I think I can, I can see a draw. Uh, I think you know Southampton will score past us at some point. Uh, and I think Lukaku might nick a goal. So I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Uh, my man to watch is Mane, who I mentioned before. Uh, you know he's a dangerous little player. He does have his off days, very hit and miss, but uh, when he's on, he's on, uh, and could be but a Pe- problem for us. Pella getting back to scoring is uh, if he if he starts it in a in a purple streak early on. I think we, we you know we're so susceptible to getting caught on on the break. Uh, and Mane has got that pace to, well, but to sort of and susceptible to getting hit in the air or anywhere. Yeah, or susceptible to set pieces. Sep- yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so just, yeah, okay. Just susceptible to goals, basically. Um, 
So there you go. Looking forward to watching the game anyway. Yeah, should be, uh, well, I should say a good one. Should be a good game. Yeah, it should be a good game. Two sides who like to play football. Maybe turn the commentary off. It depends. Yeah, it's going to be Michael Owen, isn't it? Michael Owen, yeah. Oh, great. Okay, David James in the studio. Brilliant. Great. Bangor's um, our season. Uh, yeah. If so, you listen to David James. Anyway. So that's that. Uh, we're just reaching the end of the podcast now. It's been a long one this week. So if you've managed to make it this far, then we do appreciate it. We're getting on for two hours now. Uh, Capital Cup draw is tonight. Everton a ball seven, if you're looking out for that. Um, no doubt we'll get Barnsley and get beat uh, in, in the second round of the uh, the League Cup. Uh, so that's tonight. Uh, and then the game on Saturday. Fine. We should be back next week. Back next week. Hopefully have a little bit more to chirp about. Uh, hopefully still be hanging on to our key players. Hopefully have a couple of new faces in. And uh, four points on the board. Go for that. I'd like four points. I think we'll see two points. Yeah. Or possibly one. What if the season finished now? Eighth? Uh, I'd take eighth and then I'd buy some of Arsenal's players when they got relegated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening as always, Blues. Uh, We've still got this this new format in in the works. So we might be on that this week. uh, But um, just watch this space and uh, keep spreading the word. Thanks to the new listeners who've joined us, who've sent us messages as well. From Down Under, from the US. We're now officially the most listened to Everton podcast in Australia. Three people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it's nice to have them on board, don't it? It is. I don't know where Carl's gone. He's gone big time, hasn't he, since he got married? Uh, he's, only allowed, he's only allowed five minutes of Facebook time a week. All oh, right, okay. He's <laughs> washing the dishes, is he, the rest of the time? Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we will have our uh, Australian, Welsh, English, Everton correspondent back sometime this season. Yeah. Cheers, Blues. Catch you next week.